You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we are very lucky to have Brendan Tolmier back in the studio for an arm's length conversation about how things have been going on the valuation side with build contracts most predominantly regarding the grants and the house and land package. Brendan sees hundreds, thousands of these come through his office at Heron Todd White on a yearly basis and most specifically in the last couple of months since the grants have kicked off and it's a very, very important job that Brendan and his team have making sure that the contracts you're signing both for the land and for the house are valued at what they really should be uh, you know, at a normal arm's length situation. Brendan, thanks for coming in again, mate. G'day, Trent. Morning. How are we? I am pumped. It's a beautiful time of the year and most importantly, it is selling season. It's a seller's market and in the same vein, since June, it's also been a builder's market, you might say. Yes. The headline here is is two grants, two consumers, so one state government and one federal government grant, building bonus and home buyer grant, and the headlines around that and, and the bring forward of the demand. So all of those first home buyer type people that were in the zone to, to buy their first house can maximise. We've seen those headlines of they can potentially get $75,000 when you put all the other bits and pieces in there like first home buyer grant and stamp duty relief and those kinds of things. Three, two. Second home buyers, third home buyers who have spent their time in COVID, decided that they don't have enough room in their house and come back out of COVID and been incentivized to go and spend some money on a brand new house. So a range of consumers in the market looking around. And as you alluded to, most commonly our job here is we will see house and land packages. So um, buyer of the, of the vacant land or buyer of a contract to build a brand new house. We get a valuation request from one of the finance companies or sorry, a bank or an institution yep. to go and do that valuation. What's your job? Our job is to make sure that we value it at what we think it's worth once it's completed. Okay, So we get the contract on the land given to us. We get the contract, obviously, for the house and all the plans and the specifications. Yeah, what? how nice is the kitchen? Yeah. How many tiles are in there? Exactly. How big are the tiles? Most importantly, the branding and the builder are out in those project home type areas. What quality of the house uh, quality is going to be built? So lots of people would expect that it's as simple as saying land plus building costs equals that that must be the value of the house no that is the cost of the house yep. and we're going out there to value it based on the most recent settled sales evidence within that location so you're in a brand new street in a brand new suburb we go out there and find the most recent sales within uh, the closest proximity we can and then analyze those against the, the the house that's going to be built so after crystal ball goes a little bit on the, the new house but we see a lot of that product all the time we know what it's going to look like it's the same stuff and then we we look at the the sales evidence and we say okay hey guess what the land contract plus the building contract actually cost more than at the place down the road sold for um, well, what are you finding so what have been your reflections your outcomes over the last two months as you're starting to see some of these build contracts hit your desk what's been happening yeah so at this point in time our results where valuation is not coming in at the same as land plus building contract is below 10 percent and so the perspective on that is we're only seeing the first wave of new contracts that have been put through the system so we're mid-october mid to late october we're probably only a quarter of the way through that volume coming in in the door and we expect that as price pressure happens and as customer demand went up that we think that building contract cost will go up as we get further into the number of people coming through the door 
Now, there is a, a slight saviour here, one that we didn't expect in, in the marketplace, and that is that there are established dwelling sales in those new suburbs. So I don't think we were unfair on our... would be unfair on ourselves if we were um, negative about the fact that we were out there talking to the market in general, people like yourself and to the builders and to the banks, our, our clients, and to finance brokers to say, hey, look, you just need to be really careful about what the cost ends up being here, the land plus the building contract, because there may not be enough sales for us to be able to judge and go and look in that area and say, hey, look, the, the established dwellings are selling in X dollars, and so we can value up your, to your construction yeah. costs. So there was, we were really concerned that there would be a massive lack of sales evidence to for us to analyze and, and do our job. Or that the sales evidence would be way below what that cost yeah. would be. And which is not our fault. We're analysing the market. So we'd be coming back to you saying, hey, look, uh, why would you go and spend that on land plus building down the road when you can buy a brand new product? We know that you didn't choose the tiles in the kitchen in that product, but there's a substantial discount for buying something that's already there. And let's not forget that uh, it's actually already there and you can move into it tomorrow and start saving rent. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying that currently under 10% of house and land contracts that you're valuing are having that problem right now yep but you're it's a bit of a watching brief as to when the real wave comes through with the more expensive build contracts based on demand and supply yep. that given the market won't be moving that quick there might be more of a problem coming in through christmas and just after that yeah and then the other bit in the background of those build contracts is we've got to remember that those builders are uh, getting getting hit by cost increases so if you're a bricky two months ago you're getting x dollars a brick right now you're saying well i'm in high demand i'm going to put my price up and, and they so have therefore construction cost goes up doesn't it yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any reflections on the inner suburbs, the infill suburbs where, you know, for example, someone's gone and purchased a subdivided block in Craigie? Yep. Uh, it's the same thing, isn't it? When we're, you, The only difference is you've got a lot more established market data. Yep. On the other side, though, probably not as many new house data. Yeah. So we're always trying to find the sale that is most like the subject property. And so that can be difficult either in those new suburbs, but yeah, when you get to an infill suburb where people start getting a little bit funky with their design or need to look outside the square to, um, or outside the, the box or the triangular shaped lot, suddenly you're sitting there going, oh, hang on, well, I've got a strange size lot to f- that's been cut up here. Uh, the house is slightly unconventional. You know, how's, how's that value stack up? But, but it's new, right, compared to most of the other yeah, stuff, 40 exactly. years old. So it has a, a benefit there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so we're trying to find another new house that's sold in that location, basically. Yeah, Any problems? So I'm saying, so I would have thought there'd be some problems in those infill suburbs. Let's use Craigie as an example. The people in the boom of the grants only a couple of months ago were buying, you know, rear blocks of land at a thousand bucks a square meter. Yep. So you know, three hundred thousand dollars for three hundred square meters of land at the back, which is was unheard of the year before. You couldn't even move that block of land. Yep. Uh, and then you go to the builder, signs a two hundred and sixty thousand dollar build contract on that. That's a five hundred sixty thousand dollar cost for a rear house in Craigie. No one sold a house in Craigie for over five hundred thousand dollars this year. Yep. Yeah, so that's that, what concerns me. Yeah, absolutely. And so the valuer will have to be looking at those two costs added together, looking at the sales evidence within the location. In that case, we, we're definitively going to start with the land. Is it worth that now or yeah. not? Um, and so if it's a $300,000 block of land, we would start there and go, okay, well, the underlying land value is there. 
all right, now what's in the building contract? Is this person getting ripped off? What's the quality of their house? What's the rate per square meter on the build? How does that compare to other things that we've seen within the marketplace? Uh, and then if those two, that, so that's the summation method of valuation. If those two things are looking likely, then we're, we're going to, to be out looking for that sales evidence as well. One thing that concerns me is that a lot of builders have taken on a lot of work where they're already stating there's a bit of risk they're not going to be able to get those contracts signed by the end of the year. Yeah. You heard much rumbling around the committees and the HIA space as to what's going to happen here. Yeah, look at... The, those I contracts just get handed back because they can't get finance or... Well, exactly. I'm not entirely sure um, because there is no definitive process being talked about there at, the, at that level at this point in time. What I am seeing is my valuers coming back to us and saying, hey, look, I uh, just met someone on site today who told me that they've cancelled two other contracts because they've gone back to the customer and said, we can't build within the time frame to make sure, as in we can't start the build, to make sure that you're going to get your grants. Mm-hmm. So you're at risk of not getting your grant. I'd rather tell you that now and give you the opportunity to go somewhere else as opposed to essentially ruining their process or maybe ruining their builder's brand name. Uh, yeah, and the relationship, up, yeah. I think yeah. be a lot of attempted court cases at some point. Yeah, Not yeah, that there'd yeah. be much in it, but there'd be a lot of very unhappy people, I think, yeah. coming into March, April, May when they were expecting to have their slab down. And yep. Yeah. The, the amazing thing to me, Trent, in this is, and you know, this is happening across a lot of sectors of the marketplace. Uh, I was at a receivers breakfast last week where the accountants are all sitting around saying well that the the receivership and the liquidation and the bankruptcy type legislation is being recut but it's all being done on the fly and this is the same with with the grants so here's a grant uh policy on the run uh headlines everyone runs out and reacts to that and and the market stimulus flows through the system but there's still bits of doubt about who qualifies for it you know for example keystart or most of the major banks won't consider your 20 or 45 grand in any of your finances in terms of approving your loan so even though you've run out and signed up a contract with a builder are you actually going to be able to get finance yeah what i'm concerned about brennan is that they were expecting that that would be their deposit they'll come back realizing it won't be able to be used as their deposit and the one opportunity the one avenue they'll have left will be key start at 3.5%. And they weren't planning on having an interest rate at 3.5%, which would then be that fallback. They'll probably take it, and then they'll be stuck paying higher interest rates than they really would have wanted to at the time. Yeah, potentially. Or they'll go out to mum and dad bank, those types of places, to, mm. to find that extra money for a deposit. So there's, yeah, there's some real concern there. The next part of that concern for ours would be around people that are already signed up uh, just being really careful about what happens in that sales process. And maybe they should think about what they'd do if they were buying a car. If you go and buy a base model car these days, a Kia or a Hyundai or a Toyota or whatever, you walk in the showroom going, I know I can afford X model. Don't be sitting in the showroom and be getting the upgraded yeah. add-ons. And we all, you know, we know that when you go buy a new car, the finance person comes to see you, the tinting person, the um, the fabric protection person comes to see you. the builder's going to do a very similar thing <laughs> paint protection <laughs> so they're all the things that your mum or dad told you not to say yes to and so the building contract process is pretty similar if you've found what you're happy with and what you can afford there's no reason for you to be sitting within that process to say oh hang on i've got a grant here i'm now going to yeah, upgrade yeah. the kitchen or the backyard or the alfresco or whatever because my tip would be 
get your bricks and mortar down on your original contract because that's the cheapest way you're going to build the, the, the house yeah. and then worry about adding those things in uh, in the future. Do you have any evidence yet that the builders have increased their build costs to nearly or if not more the, co- the value of the grants already and therefore many of the grants are more like a rebate? Yeah, so we, we're seeing it across. Uh, so number the first thing that happened was vacant land, uh, the rebates that were there to incentivise people to actually just come and buy something because there was no demand. Yeah. Um, those have been extinguished on, on the whole. So good good locations and good subdivisions wouldn't have any rebates left anymore. Uh, and then the same happens on the building side of things. So the builders, as they've gotten busier, the demand came through the door. They realised uh, pretty early on that they were filling up their, their Ford build book the number of customers that they can handle or the capacity that they have. Um, And so we've seen evidence of them needing to increase prices. What we don't see which I think everyone would love us to say is, yeah, we saw someone a builder say forty five grand on top because of bonus. You know, right. we, we just f- definitively don't see that. They're generally smarter than that. But we have seen contracts where we've done a valuation uh, maybe a month ago, and then we end up doing a new valuation on the same block of land, same builder, same customer, and the price has gone up for whatever reason between mm-hmm. the last time we did a valuation and now. What I've seen, uh, given that we do a a lot of similar types of builds in, in various areas is the base price for those units, uh, those houses have gone up yep. about 15%. Now, yep. the site works costs haven't really changed. The the uh, upgraded spec hasn't changed much, but it's the base cost. Yep. They've added just a slap bang, 15, 20 grand on every house. Yep. And, and that's where I think people need to really remember that it is not free money it is probably just a, a rebate on the increase in prices we've already seen yeah and this is market stimulus so it's brought a whole lot of demand forward in our marketplace there's a reaction from the people supplying the product uh, they they've got a finite product they can't go on signing contracts every day forever and they also have a finite workforce i think that's the, the big thing yeah there's a finite people not just blue collar people we're not just talking about steve the bricky we're talking about the the contracts team, yep. the drafting team, Absolutely. the estimating team. Yep. Most of these guys, these businesses have cut back from you know a hundred people down to thirty. Yep. Just a skeleton staff, just to keep the brand running. And three of the three of the floors in their office are empty. Yeah. And those people have all moved on to other careers that have been made redundant. Yep. And suddenly they have a hundred people worth of work again, keeping those thirty people back at night working. You know. 10-hour days. Yes. Uh, and we, it's just not that easy to hire again that quickly to be able to allow for that throughput of work that's coming through the sales reps who can, you know, they can take on 50 new jobs. Doesn't, it's not, and that's not hard for them. But it yep. then hits that tunnel on the freeway where everyone's merging and taking 20 minutes crashing into each other. <laughs> yeah. And look, that's, um, there's a lot going on there. But flexing your capacity down and up in a, in a business is always really difficult, uh, in particular when you know that there's a stimulus that says, here's a, a, a number of contracts coming through the door. How much time and money do you spend on training someone when you're aware that potentially that, that demand runs out within the next 12 months and you've, you've spent three months training someone to get nine months return on them? It's probably shorter time frames than that, but everyone, every business person looks in the mirror and goes, is that worth doing that? Or will we stretch our existing same? Yeah. One question I had in the Q&A podcast we did was, do you think build prices will reduce again or come back after everyone settled down? Uh, right at this point in time, I find it really difficult to say that because the volume of work that's coming through is so large. 
the only way that we can get that price reduction is to have an oversupply of workers and, and then basically have the price of, of all those contractors come back down again. That's not going to happen. If people can't get into the state, there's not going no. to be an oversupply <laughs> of workers. Um, hopefully, people will be able to get in the state to, to prop up what we've already got in the pipe. So, yeah, I would expect build prices probably going north is the only option at this point in time. The reality is that just like rent prices, just like house prices, they are all still way lower than they, what they were in the boom five years ago. Yeah, and it's a really good bit of perspective and I haven't actually, in this head-spinning time where we've just got so much work coming through our door, it's very useful to sit back and go hang on, hang on we are coming off one of the lowest bases that we've we ever have yeah. and it probably is driving some of the smart thinkers to say it's okay for me to offer 10 percent more on on this established dwelling or this d- development site because i'm coming off the bottom and i definitively know that was the bottom now i know it's going to move up from here do you get any perspective as to what it costs to build a similar thing over east? No, we uh, we actually don't spend much time looking at that because it's a very kind of academic situation. They build um, different build construction methods, and as well. you get caught up in the different type of uh, build materials. The, the, the thing that probably surprises me the most about the east coast market is just the rate that they can build something. So because they're not building double brick and steel, and it's chippies on site, you know, pre-framed stuff that they can put up a whole wall. In a day, and it's there inside, outside, and it's ready for services. Um, you know, and you do that to the four or five walls or whatever of the house, and you're away really quickly in terms of creating the supply into the marketplace. Yeah, I'm not sure that we're going to move super quick towards that, but I, I do see us slowly starting to adopt those different build yeah. types. I really would like to see how one day that is reflected in the license valuers' perspectives on values. And yeah. Whether, uh, I guess you, you, it doesn't really matter what you guys personally think of the product. It's more about what the market is paying for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and the market acceptance. So, um, you know, I, I don't unfortunately spend that much time in display homes on the weekend. I've got kids sport to deal with. But the last time I was doing that was probably about a year ago. And it was quite amazing to see how quickly some of the sales uh, reps would be straight to the concept of, uh, and I was looking at two-story homes at the time. So this is all concrete slab, ground floor and first floor. This is all double brick and tile all the way through. So go upstairs and knock on the walls if you like, but it's all solid. Uh, you might find if you go down the road that there's a different product that doesn't sound as solid as this place. So Perth market has still got a massive chip on its shoulder it's about fickle. that. Yeah. Now, the, the example I use is that what we've seen is the, the reverse brick veneer come through uh, at the luxury end of the market. With the so, internal brick and external veneer? Yeah, exactly. Looks, like the weatherboard style looks pretty cool. Yeah, so the Hamptons kind of yeah. design suits that really easy. Because you're uh, not on the wall, it's still brick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so And you can't, uh, your 12-year-old son can't go through the gyp rock wall with his cricket bat or yep. whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, that's I find that really interesting in that the, the higher end of the market's been more accepting of that. Um, and they've set up their, some, some build companies have set up their trades around that because they know that they can build that product easier than they can build double brick and tile all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see it evolve. One thing for sure out of this whole crisis is that we know that there's definitive change that is occurring in different sectors of, of society. So if we talk about the working from home situation and then that, that flowing into home design, those kinds of scenarios, then this is the chance of potentially the building industry in, in WA turning around and saying, hey, look, I just can't do this anymore. You know, interestingly, we're, we're segregated anyway. Uh, if you go up north, you don't build a double brick house you most of the time. <laughs> at the moment, but yeah. you, you, you're usually going to use aluminium frame construction with um, steel cladding on it now, yeah. obviously with concrete slab 
still, but um, it's pretty interesting just to see that even that marketplace has evolved itself to what suits it, it best. Yeah, mate. Good segue. I think next time we'll get you in, we'll chat about that regional market. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!